بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا ایٹینتھ آف ڈسمبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی and the giving of sadaqah so it, with regards to earning what is lawful our beloved messenger he said sallallahu alaihi wasallam whoever goes out and earns for his family in a lawful manner is like a warrior in the path of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and whoever seeks the worldly in a lawful manner and with afaf i countenance shall attain the rank of the martyrs. <coughs> so this is recorded in Tabarani in his Ausat 4-284, Delami in his Musnad al-Firdos, Khatib al-Baghdadi in his Tariq 8-168, Imam Ghazali in his Ikhya in the chapter on the Halal and Haram, page 5 of the English translation. So here the Prophet mentioned clearly, sallallahu that whoever goes out to earn a lawful livelihood, he is similar to the one going out in jihad. So note the similarity, jihad isn't easy on the nafs. So obviously, earning a living predominantly is not easy. But then he mentions, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that if you acquire the lawful of the world with contentment, you will attain the rank of the martyrs. So note the direct link with jihad and also martyrdom, i.e. in the search of lawful livelihood. And similarly, our beloved Messenger said, whoever sleeps exhausted due to his efforts to seek the lawful, will then awaken forgiven his wrongdoings. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be pleased with him. This is in Tabrani in his Ausat 7-289, Imam Ghazali in his Ikhya in the chapter on the Halal and Haram, page 6 of the English translation. So note, again predominantly, when people go out to earn a living, after they finish, they feel tired. That greatly pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you awaken from your slumber, after you've been tired from work, you awaken with your sins forgiven. Subhanallah. And not only that, Allah is pleased with you. And similarly, our beloved messenger also said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, For whomsoever eats the lawful for 40 consecutive days, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will enlighten his heart and cause fountains of wisdom in his heart to flow from his tongue. Subhanallah. This is in Abu Nu'im al-Hiliyah 5-189, Ibn al-Mubarak in his Zuhud 1-359, Mursal, Imam Ghazali in his Ikhya in the chapter on the Halal and Haram, page 5 of the English translation. Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf relates it as a saying of Abdullah ibn Abbas. So either Abdullah ibn Abbas said this, the cousin of the Prophet or the Prophet himself, what did he say? Whoever eats the lawful for 40 consecutive days, meaning you've earned a lawful livelihood and you've sustained yourself on that for 40 days, Allah the Almighty blesses his heart with knowledge and the fountains of which start coming from his heart to his tongue. So look at the extraordinary way that Allah Ta'ala looks after those who earn a lawful livelihood.
<coughs> and it's for this reason that Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Umar radiyallahu he said that I would love to be martyred in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If that is not written for me, then I would next love to pass away whilst earning a lawful livelihood. This is in Sa'id ibn Mansur in his sunnah. So Lord Amir al-Mu'mineen was likening it just like the Prophet was sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to jihad. So if a person dies while at work, look how interesting, he dies whilst at work or on the way to work, <coughs> he dies according to Sayyidina Umar with, at the level of those who die on the battlefield. So note, again, very important to highlight these reports. Why? Because of the important nature of this. And in a variant word, the, the hadith mentions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make him yearn for the next world whilst he is still in this world. SubhanAllah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make him yearn for the next world whilst he is still in this world. This is recorded by Imam Ghazali in his Ihya in the chapter on the Halal and Haram, page 5 of the English translation. So note again the 40, the number 40. Whoever eats the lawful for 40 consecutive days, Allah Ta'ala will make him yearn for the next world whilst he's still in this world. Meaning, it gives you spiritual strength if you eat from the lawful. And people experience this. They go to uh, maybe get an invite. And the food they eat may be the most simple type of food. But they can't get enough of it. <coughs> because we've never tasted lentils like this. And they start saying strange things like this. We never tasted soup like this. And then you notice they get charged. <laughs> that gives you the strength to do good. That is the sign. That that is lawful wealth that you're consuming. So Allah Ta'ala puts immense blessings, i.e. in the foodstuff of these people. Indeed, one of the Salaf, Rahmatullah said, the first lawful morsel eaten by a person causes his previous sins to be forgiven. SubhanAllah. And the one who places himself in a position of insignificance solely in order to earn the lawful, then his sins fall away from him just like the leaves of a tree, i.e. in autumn. SubhanAllah. This is recorded by Sheikh Makki in his Qut Al-Qulub 2-323, Imam Ghazali in his Ihya in the chapter on the Halal and Haram, page 10 of the English translation. So here this is a very important report. So one of the Salaf, he was mentioning that the first morsel of the lawful, all your sins are forgiven. Now think about that. Meaning as soon as you earn the lawful, you're in a win-win situation now. So for instance, you're a minimum wage, you're doing a menial job. As soon as you get your paycheck and you get something to eat, that first morsel, all your sins are forgiven. <laughs> then look what the uh, Salaf said. Whoever places himself in a position of insignificance, meaning he takes on a lowly job, a lowly profession, just so he can earn the halal. Allah takes his sins away, just like the leaves fall in autumn. Thus, there is nothing labelled as a lowly profession in Islam. For all lawful employment is most honourable. So think about that. This is a sadness. This is one of the things that's crept into the Muslim psyche. They think that there's honourable professions and there's, you know, lowly professions. So you could argue there's honourable professions, i.e. a doctor because of the virtues. But there is absolutely no thing as a lowly profession. If you're cleaning the streets, that's a halal income. You will be given honor by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And note the prophets, alayhi salatu wasalam. Some were blacksmiths, like Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. Some were carpenters, 
like Zakaria alayhi salatu wasalam, some were tailors, like Idris alayhi salatu wasalam, etc., etc. Conversely, our beloved messenger, he warned, sallallahu alayhi wasalam, whoever cares nothing for where he earns his living, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will care nothing for where he throws him in the fire. Astaghfirullah. Whoever cares nothing from where he earns his living, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will care nothing for where he throws him into the fire. This is in Deilami, in his Musnad al-Firdos, Isfahani, in his Tariq, 1-399, Imam Ghazali, rahmatullahi, in his Ihya, in the chapter on the Halal and Haram, page 6 of the English translation. So, simply put, if you are not bothered about the Halal and Haram, Allah Ta'ala is not bothered about you. <laughs> Meaning, he is not bothered how you get roasted. <laughs> so, Therefore, the haram must, it's an absolute must to keep away from the haram. <clears throat> it is for this reason that our beloved messenger also said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Worship is made of ten parts, <coughs> nine of which concern seeking the halal. <laughs> Worship consists of ten parts, nine of which concern seeking the halal, the lawful. This is in Deilami, in his Musnad al-Firdos, 3-79. Imam Ghazali in his Ihya in the chapter on the Halal and Haram, page 6 of the English translation. So think about that. If you've got a 90% of the pie chart, and it's, what is 90% of worship? The Halal. So if you're not concerned about the Halal, that means that there's something gone wrong. Why are you focused upon only 10% of your deen? Because it affects everything. In fact, there's a report. <coughs> the Hadith is in Behaki in the Shu'ab al-Iman. And one of the Salaf, he mentioned that some of the shaitans, they're trying to trip over this person who's apparently a very big worship. <clears throat> so when they come back to the main shaitan, I'm paraphrasing, the main shaitan goes, who told you to waste time with him? So they goes, he's a great worshipper. And shaitan goes, he's not concerned about the halal and haram. He's, why are you concerned about him? <laughs> so note, this is one of the things that the Prophet said is a sign of the end of time. The Prophet said in Tirmidhi that one of the signs of the hour is that the Muslim, the one who professes to believe, he will not be concerned about the halal and the haram. <clears throat> so no, you notice this, astaghfirullah. You see a person praying regularly and yeah, he's got a haram income. <coughs> and that's a complete contrast. You know, think, well, we don't understand, brother. And then they start saying, oh no, that's, that's dunya, brother. Don't worry about that. You know, this is the akhirat. This is my worldly affairs. And no, they're doing exactly what the Christians have done. Separating Islam into compartments. So all of this is so important before you talk about sadaqah. Why? Because if you haven't got a lawful income, then how have you got access to sadaqah? Mm. So let us now move on to the giving of one's lawfully earned wealth. So before mentioning that, let me mention a report. The hadith is in Tabarani. And this man had a lot of energy. The sahaba were observing him. And they thought, subhanAllah, if only he put that energy into the path of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet wasallam said to the Sahaba, do you know what the path of Allah is? <laughs> so they go, Ya Rasulullah, what is the path of Allah? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet wasallam said, he who goes out to earn a living for his parents, he is in the path of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He who goes out to earn a living for his family, he is in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He who goes out to earn a living for himself, 
He is in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what is the misconception? The Sahaba thought that he got all this energy. Why does he go into the battlefield? <laughs> but the Prophet said, do you know what the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and notice it was to do with earning a lawful income. So if you see a person doing this, alhamdulillah. But of course, everything else needs to be in place. You'll get some people, I be like mocking, they'll say, look, work is a bother, brother. And they're right, they're telling you the truth. But what they forget to mention is they're not praying. So how is that justification for not praying? So obviously work is ibadat, but as long as it doesn't affect your faraid. You know, think about that. So let us now move on to giving of one's lawfully earned wealth. So first of all, zakat. A dire warning to those who do not give zakat. In Ibn Abi Shayba, in his Al-Musannaf 5-296, our beloved messenger said, وسلم, one of the three who will enter hell first, then he mentioned, the wealthy person who did not pay what was due on him. Astaghfirullah. One of the three who will enter hell first, the wealthy person who did not pay what was due on him. So now think about that. Where, who is this person? This is a Muslim. <coughs> he didn't pay zakat. Did Allah Ta'ala give him a chance on the day of judgment? No, because he's the first. Allah Ta'ala will put the one who does not pay zakat into hell very quickly. Meaning you can't mess about with the glorious deed of zakat. <coughs> Subhanallah. Where is the logic or benefit in not giving one zakat? Imam Ghazali, Rahmatullah, he clarified in his Al-Arba'een fi Usul al-Deen, the 40 principles of religion, page 51 of the English translation, he said, Since the poor person's taking from you is a cause for your purification, then he, the poor, has done you a favor. Imagine a cooper were to cook you for free, thereby removing from your body blood that is potentially harmful in the life of this world. Would you be doing him a favor or vice versa? Similarly, the one who removes from your insight the base quality of stinginess and its harm in the afterlife is even more worthy of your regarding him as being gracious to you. Look how beautifully Imam Ghazali broke it down. So, who's actually been, So, you've given zakat. So, your mind's thinking, I've benefited. So, the question to pose yourself is, who have, you, who have you benefited? And you start mentioning numbers, you say, oh, maybe about 50, 60 people with the zakat I've given. The response is, no, they've benefited you. So how? And then he gave the example. He goes, your giving purifies you. So by giving it to them, they have actually purified you of sin. <clears throat> then he broke it down to cooping. So you can, you, you can pay the cooper, no problem. But if he does it for free, imagine... He says, I don't, I don't want to charge you. And he cooks you for free. He's taken out the blood that will harm you. So who's done you a favor? Right? If he's doing for free, he's done you a favor. Let alone you've given him money. So Imam Ghazali was highlighting something there. He goes, you haven't even given him anything. And yeah, he still benefited you. But then he says, but what about the one who's taken out far worse than the blood? Who's taken out spiritual ailments that harm your afterlife? Isn't he more worthy of being gracious to? <clears throat> so Imam Ghazali was saying, this is why it's called zakat. Zakat means to purify. The person goes, purify what? Purify yourself. 
Consider also what Ibrahim ibn Adham rahmatullah would say when a thing was very expensive. He would say, cheapen it with abandonment. <laughs> cheapen it with abandonment. This is in Ibn Asakir in his Tariq Dimishq 6-282. So look how interesting. So think of things that are expensive, I don't know. <coughs> Jewelry, rings, watches, cars, houses. They're very expensive. How do you make it cheap? <laughs> so a person goes, well, give me, let me know how to get it cheap. He goes, abandon it. <laughs> then it becomes cheap because you don't need it. <laughs> so he goes, this is how you make things cheap. <laughs> For if you do not need a particular thing, it is easy to give it away. <laughs> it is also important to point. So now think about that. You know, this is, this is why the Oliya, they've got a different, like, they're thinking out of the box. They're looking at the people generally and they find them strange. Because why are they so interested in this and that? <coughs> this is why the people love the Uliyah because the Prophet wasallam he said in Ibn Majah, a sahaba asked authentic hadith, I want people to love me, Ya Rasulullah. So the Prophet wasallam he said, don't love what they love and they love you. So apply that hadith. You're going past the showroom and one's <coughs> yearning for that car, can't afford it. I love to buy that car. <coughs> then you got an Uliyah. He's not interested in it. But let's say he's blessed with wealth. So he goes, you want? Yeah, take it. Now, he, what, you'll instantly have great affection for that person. But you realize, why is he interested in this? Because that's what the Prophet said. If you want people, don't love what they love. Now, imagine both of you wanted that car. Straight away, what's happening? There's tension. But then the Sahaba asked, I want Allah Ta'ala to love me. He goes, don't love the world. Allah Ta'ala will love you. Meaning connect, disconnect to the world and more Allah Ta'ala will love you. It is also important to point out that abandoning excessive wealth is better than giving in sadaqah. This is very important. Abandoning excessive wealth is better than giving sadaqah. Now, now think about that. That's a very deep statement. You can earn more money. You get, you, you know, so you've been offered a promotion. But you think to yourself, I'm making my ends meet. Why do I need the extra headache? So you don't take the promotion. That is better than giving sadaqah. Why? Because Isa he said, O seeker of the world for virtue's sake, bear in mind, for you to leave it is twice as virtuous. O seeker of the world for virtue's sake, bear in mind, for you to leave it, either the accumulation of the world, in order to then give, is twice as virtuous. This is in Ibn Asakir in his Tariq Dimishq 47-427. Subhanallah, another endless blessing of Zod. Now think about that. So, you don't want extra wealth, you abandon it. You're happy with your lot. That now is better than you getting the extra wealth and giving it in Sadaqah. Double. So let's put it very simply. You know, you might laugh at this example, but let's say you've got a menial job and you, you, you know, you're just basically eating to live, living to eat, as they say, and your bills are getting paid. And somebody offers you a ridiculous wage for a job. You know, he goes, I'll give you this and you'll get, you know, a footballer's wage a year. So you think to yourself, <clears throat> I don't need the headache. Now, look how great the action is. You know, people know that this is a good thing. You know, 
even shaitan might say, well, you're bad off doing that job. You can give more sadaqah. Yes, you can. But abandoning the excessive wealth is better than sadaqah. That's what Isa alayhi salatu was saying. So yeah, you're right. But you haven't won. You actually get double. <coughs> so imagine you're still cleaning those, uh, you know, those pots and pans in the restaurant, as they say. <coughs> and you're getting double the sadaqah of a millionaire. Because you've turned away from it. So what's the principle? Abandoning excessive wealth is better than giving sadaqah. This is why if you look at the companions, especially Sayyidina Umar, how did he leapfrog over eight of the ten promised paradise? Zuhud. Out of the ten promised paradise, nine of them embrace Islam from the first day, second day or third day. Umar, six years later. So how did he leapfrog over eight of the ten promised paradise? And Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqar said, it wasn't his hijrah, it wasn't his this, it wasn't that, it was his zuhd. <laughs> so this is the secret here, not the, the connection that we should have here with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, one could also be duped into the mindset. I will keep accumulating so I can give more in the path of Allah. This is another trick of shaitan. You know, keep, no, 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 keep, you know, more, more is good because some of happen, you can then give a really large amount. In reality, this is not the case. Then the following thread of the Prophet applies, sallallahu alayhi wa Love of wealth grows hypocrisy in the heart as water grows vegetation. Astaghfirullah. Love of wealth grows hypocrisy in the heart as water grows vegetation. It's recorded in Abu Nu'im al-Hiriya, Hafiz al-Zabidi in his Al-Idhaf 8-144. So how quickly does water make vegetation grow? So you can't see it instantly. But you know you keep watering it, you'll start seeing it flowering. That is how love of wealth causes the hypocrisy to grow in the heart. So note by accumulating, maybe shaitan is duping you. Because your love for the wealth will increase. Consider also the following pregnant words of our beloved Messenger Verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates the stingy person in his life whilst loving the liberally generous person at his death. Subhanallah. This is in Deilami, in his Mustad al-Firdos, number 627. So look how amazing the statement is of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi Allah ta'ala hates the stingy person when he's alive. So imagine he's completely healthy. He's got his whole life ahead of him, but he's a conduce. Allah ta'ala hates him. Another person's at the point of death. Allah Ta'ala loves him because he was generous. Now, what? He's got no time to give now. But that the point is, how much does Allah Ta'ala love the generous? He doesn't just live, love him on, on his deathbed, he loves him throughout his life. And obviously on his deathbed, he will make sure he's successful. So this is the meaning here mentioned by the scholars. <coughs> Indicating that the generous will leave the world with the priceless pleasure of our loving Lord. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all I mentioned today was basically two things. First, the importance of earning what is lawful and right. And Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala has given us many avenues for this. And how quickly that benefits you. This, this is so important. You know, let me just throw this one in. You get some people who, due to bad company, they end up in unlawful professions. So for instance, they might be in the drug profession, drugs. And they're good people. You know, you see them. You know, you can tell these are good people, but they just end up in this bad scenario where they're dealing in drugs. <clears throat> so then you talk to these people 
And this is what they invariably always say. I'm going to leave it. And he goes, right. So you definitely, because they are definitely going to leave. I know it's wrong. I know it's haram. He goes, why don't you leave now? He goes, I need to make some money. And when I make the money, then I'll complete Toba. I'm ready to go. So the follow-on question is what really trips them up. You say, right, okay, let's say you get the amount that you intend. You intend to, I don't know, have 200,000 pounds. Then I'm going to retire, as they say. I, you know, I'll do Toba and I'll live a righteous life. So you've got the 200,000, even though you haven't got it yet. But let's say you get it. And now you get out of the drug game. <clears throat> so now you're going to live a righteous life. You said that. You're going to live a righteous life. Yes. So how are you going to invest the 200,000? And then they'll say, well, I'll give it, you know, I'll give it to the Mujahideen. You know, I will invest it in the masjids. And he goes, that's the problem. It's not accepted. Right? So outwardly, you'll get the tap on the bike. You're a good person. You you contributed towards this masjid. You're a good person. You, you give it to the Mujahids. But your angel isn't writing nothing. So then you go, right, any other way you can invest it. And eventually you will think, can I invest it? No. You've ended up with 200,000, which will definitely help your dunya. But in terms of the akhirah, which you said you're going to be righteous now, it can't help you. In fact, you're in negative. You have to get rid of it because it's unlawful. You're going to be eating from that. How many would then do this? Right. I'm giving it all away without any reward and I'm going to earn a lawful income. How many then say, well, I might as well not leave them. There's the trap. Wouldn't it be better to stop immediately the haram profession and then start earning the lawful and immediately, like I mentioned today, the first lawful morsel sins are forgiven. Maybe Allah Ta'ala is waiting for that moment. He goes, okay, you've dealt in drugs. You've left that. You've got rid of the money. Now you're earning, you know, minimum wage, you know, I don't know, working in a takeaway. But that first morsel that you get, even the meal that they give you, imagine, Alhamdulillah, Allah has forgiven me. That's why the Prophet mentioned these things. So it's not how much you have, it's what you can invest with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So note again here, this is why there's a report about the Sahaba, one of the companions, very hard to register, but <clears throat> one of the companions, he was into the intoxicants, you know, the, the wine business. And what happened was he brought a huge capital amount from Sham. And when he got close to Al-Madinah, another companion saw him. And he goes, it's haram. <laughs> so the Sahaba goes, wait here with my stock. I need to confirm. So he goes, he gets the confirmation. He goes, yes, uh, Khamar has become unlawful. So the Sahaba now, this is what I thought he'd do. I thought he would then go back with that stock to Sham. Get at least his money back. Or even if it's a loss, get some of my money back. And then I'm, you know, quit while I'm, you know, with a certain loss. Guess what he did? Smashed it all. So basically, he didn't even think, well, I've invested all my life's earnings in this. I didn't know it was haram. Yeah, I love you. I'm just going to get my money back. He thought, now, no, this is unlawful. And because of that, Allah, Allah revealed a verse, praising him. But how many of us can do that? Because these are companions of the Prophet So note, when you talk about sadaqah, it's so important to first talk about lawful employment. Because there are people, you know, they might be generous, but what are you actually giving? And if it's not accepted, then what's the point with it? You know, I don't need taps on bikes. I want the acceptance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Are there any questions? 
Thank you.